This is The Doctor Is In, your bi-weekly podcast that discusses all things technical and not so technical. The Doctor Is In podcast is produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, and sponsored by DX Engineering, helping you shrink the globe. See their website at www.dxengineering.com. And now, here's your host, QST Editor Steve Ford, WB8IMY, and the doctor himself, Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Hello and welcome to The Doctor Is In. I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY. And I'm Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Joel, I've got a tuner outside, a remote antenna tuner. I won't mention the uh, the brand name. Good idea. Well, and it hangs on my wooden fence. Now, this is the way the manual said to install it. All right. So it hangs on the wooden fence. It hangs vertically. And the coaxial cables that connect to it connect from underneath. So they're hanging vertically as well. They're connected okay. vertically and they're hanging vertically. And the manual stated that I didn't need to waterproof those connections to keep water out of the cable and so on. That kind of opens up our topic generally, but why is that? I mean, really? Can I just, in rain and snow, just have them hanging there? Having them, having them hang from below the tuner gives you the, the uh, coverage from the tuner itself. So hopefully the rainwater drains off on the edges of the tuner and doesn't go down and go into the connectors. But in general... UHF connectors are not waterproof, no. EL-259 or, or SO-239. And if there is water on them, it will tend to get into the cable itself, which is not a good thing. Even if they're pointed down, even if gravity, by all accounts, should draw the water away. Gee, I, I guess I have trouble picturing exactly where the water is going to go. But Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take much, I guess, to get in there no. and start corroding things. Capillary action and yeah, all away you go, yeah. So, uh, but I think being under the tuner helps compared to being out and exposed in, in the air. As many, many people have, including me, I guess I have to admit, have had UHF connectors out in the field without any protection. Yeah, me too. Just because I put them up to see if it would work and it didn't, I didn't do anything different, you know. <laughs> and how long did you have them that way? Well, uh, years and years. Yeah, and nothing happened. But really. Well, I don't know that nothing happened. I mean, I. <laughs> Uh, do I have some loss that I wouldn't have had? Well, yes, yes. Well, how how do you keep water then out of coaxial cable? And how important is it? Somebody brought this up, and I thought it was a good topic. The way to do it is to seal the, the connector with some kind of sealant. And there are people that make a product that's designed to do exactly that. I won't mention the name of the brand, but I know what you're talking about. Isn't it kind of a putty? It's you... almost like that. It comes out like a, a strip of tape, but as you wrap it around, it turns into kind of a putty. Yes. And um, that's the good news. It, it gives good coverage. The bad news is once you've done that, it's almost impossible to get it off. Believe me, that, and I, <laughs> I have done that, or I should say I have attempted that. Yeah. Yes. Now, I've heard one trick about that that may work. I haven't tried it. Some of the folks here at ARL and the editorial department, department years ago said what you do is you wrap it first with plastic electrical tape and then you put this sealing product around it and when you want to get it off you just slit it with a sharp razor knife or box cutter or something and spread it apart and the uh, plastic tape takes off the sealing material with it leaving a nice clean connector that sounds like it might work yeah i don't know why it wouldn't on the other hand you know coax cable should be replaced every Let's say roughly every 10 years if it's out in the elements, maybe with new cables a little longer. And the connector should last that long. So if your antenna lasts that long, maybe you just write it off 
and say, okay, that was <laughs> – we're taking this connector off and we're throwing and it away. And we're throwing everything away, yes. Throwing it all away and we're starting over for another 10 years. So that's another possibility. But I think you're better off keeping the water out. Uh, that's one of the ways it can get in. And, and uh, if it does, it does all kinds of dire things to the coax. First of all, it corrodes the connector, possibly depending on the connector material. But it certainly, if it gets into the coax, will cause the shield to get corroded. And I've seen coax cable with black shields. That I just, have too. Yes. Just absolutely corroded. As well as the center conductor, if it gets in that far... Maybe even more dramatically, it gets into the dielectric, especially if it's the foam type, which is part air. And what can happen is the water f- replaces the air. And the <laughs> yes. And, and that um, results in significant loss, which is not good. And loss in coax cable is tricky to see because, for one thing, it improves the SWR. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, oh, everything's looking great. My antenna's hey. gotten better. <laughs> My SWR is improving magically. Yes. Yeah. But what that means is you're actually changing your signal into heat. Yeah, <laughs> which, depending on what kind of radiation you want to do, is is not a benefit. It's better to keep the water out for sure, and uh, that's one of the ways it can get in. Now, there's a uh, one type of cable I've heard about over the years, uh, Belden ninety nine thirteen, that has, I believe, an air insulator at least in some types. And some people have said, and I don't know if this is a just a myth. But they'll say, no, don't use 9913 because water will get into that gap. Is, is that really true? Well, that's what we're talking about here. That's in the dielectric. I suspect if the water gets in there, it will tend to fill that gap. Just as with any foam dielectric cable, there is air in it. That's how it works. It's part air and part uh, polyethylene or whatever the material is. It works better without water. There's no question about it. I, I don't know if, if 9913 is worse than other foam dielectric cables, but it can happen. And the trick is to keep the water out in the first place. And if you waterproof the connectors and don't immerse the cable in water, which we'll talk about in a minute, you probably won't get any water into it. And if you don't get any water into it, it doesn't matter where it goes because it isn't there. Yeah. I remember from years ago when I used to work in radio that uh, one of the chief engineers told me that their heliax coaxial cable that they used out at the transmitter, that they pressurized that, I believe, with nitrogen gas. Yeah. Is that correct? That's that's a possibility. To yeah. keep moisture out. Right. That's a good way to do it. I mean, you, you have, if you have a, just as the, the, they do that in the White House. They pressurize the White House so no gas can get in or anything else. <laughs> it's all going to go out. Any openings is going to result in things going outward. Are you serious? Yeah. Really? Oh, well, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. I, thought no, it, no. I thought everybody knew that. You know, they're trying to protect against every threat. They're not worrying about water so much there as other yes. <laughs> things that might get in. But if you have a, a pressure difference between the inside and the outside, and it's higher on the inside of the cable, if you do have any kind of a leak that might let water in, instead of letting water in, it'll let the nitrogen out, and that'll keep the water from getting in. So they pump uh, nitrogen in the end. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, he said it kept the humidity within the cable, which somehow they measured, at virtually zero and uh, protected the cable. And he said, oh, that Heliax, that's been up there for 20, 30 years and without a problem. And that's good because that's pretty expensive stuff. You don't want to replace oh, yeah, that all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, getting back to waterproofing, uh, what about good old black electrical tape? Can I seal my uh, coaxial connectors with that? Well, it certainly will do better than not putting anything there. And I've used electrical tape just because I had it handy. You know, I haven't exactly inspected things up at the antenna to see what's happening. But as far as I can tell from the station end, everything seems to be working okay. Of course, the other option is to use different connectors. The type N connectors are inherently waterproof if assembled properly. The, The regular ones we're talking about that have the clamp fitting on them. 
There are some end connectors that are assembled like UHF connectors with solder ring kind of thing, and I'm not sure if those also work that way. You talked about that in our previous podcast, and we were talking about coaxial connectors, and you mentioned that the end connector was, uh, when put together properly, was virtually waterproof. That's right, as is the BNC and the Type C and the other derivatives, HN, I suspect, also, mm -hmm. which are all similarly constructed. What about folks that uh, run their coaxial cable underground? Does that then present a problem for water intrusion? First, you have to get cable that's uh, direct burial rated, and they usually say that in the specs or in the advertising for it. But the important thing is they're designed to be in the dirt, and the mistake a lot of people make is to uh, worry about things happening in the dirt, like uh, rodents that gnaw on things and, yes. and so forth. And they put it in PVC pipe, thinking that they're going to provide an added layer of protection. And while that does keep the rodents out, it doesn't keep the uh, water from condensing within the pipe. And eventually, what that there's no place for it to go, typically. So eventually, it just gets full of water. Now you have the coax immersed in water which it's not designed to be. It's designed to be outside with water dripping from it in the rain, so forth, but um, it's not designed to be Im immersed in water. There is cable that's designed to be underwater, used for transatlantic runs and so forth. Oh, I'll get me a bundle of that, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of out of our price range. Somewhat, yes. But regular coax cable is not. That's a big problem, and a lot of people do that. I got a lot of questions about that. And I think it's doable, but it's doable in the following ways. If you Instead of getting solid PVC tubing, get perforated pipe of some sort, and that way the water can run out the perforations. And it's especially good if you have something around the pipe that is um, particularly absorbent, like sand and gravel kind of thing, so that the water can drain away. That's fine. And also, I think if you if you can pitch the pipe so that it uh, the water all runs to one end or perhaps both ends, and you have a drainage pit at each end filled with gravel and sand, the water can run out. And either of those, I think, would be okay. But but just putting it in pipe under the ground is going to leave you with low spots that'll end up with water in them. You'll have submarine cable. At You'll that have point. submarine cable. That's not rated for submarine use, <laughs> and um, it will go, go bad in that area much more quickly than it would otherwise. Now, what about coax then that's outdoors? For those listeners who live in areas with ice and snow, do they have to worry about anything in particular? Not that I'm aware of. I've, you know, that's the way it works in the Northeast. We've done that uh, for years. We have ice and snow, and it's much easier to put up with the ice and snow than try to keep it from happening. Yeah, in my experience, you know, ice and snow by itself is fairly inert. It's when it melts and turns into water, and I guess depending on what it's in, it could result in water being around surrounding the cable. But generally, it it tends to run off. And I guess you should look at it in those in that regard. Make yeah. sure that it's able to water is able to run off. Well, that brings up uh, something I've heard about for many, many years, and that is that when you bring your coaxial cable into the house, you should leave a so-called drip loop. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's very good. Can you, for the listeners, can you describe a drip loop? Sure. First of all, when rain hits the antenna or the coax, it tends to run down the outside. And you probably have noticed that if you look at it. And if left to its own devices, it'll go to the low spot. And the low spot may well be inside the shack yes. <laughs> on the back of your radio. And that's not a good thing because having your coax corrode is bad enough, but having your radio corrode is yes. much worse. And then, Big puddle of water in the shack. And yeah, on the floor, people complain about that. Yes. So all you need to do to fix that, and this actually serves two, two purposes, is let the 
coax cable hang down below the connector that it's where it, as it comes into the house. So the water tends to drip off the bottom of the loop. The other thing that does for you is it reduces any tension on the connector during the cold. It tends to um, shrink and and uh, that's true. Yeah. So you don't you don't have to worry about that so much. Another thing you can do with some people, if you have some extra coax, is make it into uh, not just a loop, but a uh, number of turns of coax at that point, which will act like a common mode choke and help keep RF that gets picked up on the coax shield from coming into the station. So it can do uh, three things for the price of, of none because it doesn't really cost much. <laughs> Usually you have some uh, slack coax anyway. Who imagined that a drip loop could do that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Not just a drip anymore. Well, let's hear from DX Engineering, Joel, and then we will return. Our fellow hams have told us how much they love receiving the DX Engineering catalog. It's 132 pages of amateur radio heaven, packed with competitively priced equipment. You'll find everything from multiband Yagis to whip antennas, the latest bass transceivers to mobile radios, and every accessory under the sun. But the catalog only represents a small part of what DX Engineering offers. When you visit DXEngineering.com, you'll find thousands of items from trusted names like ICOM, Yesu, Kenwood, and Alinko. There's world-famous antennas from OptiBeam, E-Antennas, and M-Squared, Roan and American Towers, plus many more. And shop a wide selection of innovative DX Engineering brand products. They're designed and manufactured by our team of amateur radio enthusiasts for hams just like you. Plus, you get the fastest shipping in the ham universe, and shipping is free on most orders over $99. Experience ham radio heaven at dxengineering.com. That's dxengineering.com. And we're back with a question, Joel. This okay. is from Dewey KI4RGD. And he's asking, I'm using a window pass-through panel to attach my antenna coax via a double female barrel connector. Inside my radio room, I can unscrew my coax from this panel when I'm away or when storms are nearby. And the coax in the radio room is attached to a grounded antenna switch. If I leave this antenna switch in its grounded position, do I need to also disconnect my coax from the window pass-through panel when storms are near? Right now I do both. However, I'd like to start leaving the coax attached to the panel. Will the antenna switch suffice as a deterrent for storm protection? What say you, Joel? Well, um, it certainly can help, but disconnecting the coax at the panel provides much more protection. Now, I, I, uh, I'm guessing that and hoping that your feed-through panel is grounded to the outside. And if you disconnect all the antennas from the inside, then what that means is any current from lightning or anything else that comes down the coax, which is usually on the outside of the outer conductor anyway, uh, will go to ground there, won't come in the house. If you leave the coax connected on the inside, even if it's grounded at the station, that means the current is going to continue on. You know, some of it will go to the ground at the panel, but it's not all going to go there. And some of it will continue on into the station and then divide up among all your possible ground connections. Now, the, the problem is there's an awful lot of current running around here. A lightning strike, 90% of lightning strikes are below 200,000 amperes. Only? Only. 50% <laughs> are below 20,000. So you could be lucky and be down at the low hey, end. Yeah, 20,000 amps, a little bit here or there. Yeah. Who cares? And I guess that brings up a point that there's some lightning strikes that nothing's going to help you with. No. If the house burns down, doesn't matter whether the ground connection was there or not. But if you have a marginal stroke or a coupled current from a nearby st strike that is a lot less than that, you can survive. And the best way to survive is to keep the current out of the house. So I recommend not having the coax 
connected to the panel on the inside. Just have it on the outside and have it go to ground there, and that way the current will stay outside, hopefully, unless you have some strange connectivity arrangement. And by the way, it's important that that ground also be tied to your utility ground, and it's a National Electric Code requirement as well, that all your grounds be bonded together properly. That will help improve both grounds, actually. Now, I, I do a similar thing at my house, but unscrewing coax connectors gets to be old after a while, particularly yeah. if you have a bunch of antennas, as I do. You know, it takes quite an effort to take them all. Well, not a lot of effort, but you just as soon not have to do it every time the forecast looks bleak. Sure. Imagine if you lived in Kansas, you'd be doing it every day during the summer, practically. Or Tampa, Florida, yes. at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, like clockwork. Yes. And what I've done is I've gotten pull-off adapters that are designed to uh, solve this problem very nicely. And they're not very expensive, a couple bucks a piece. They basically uh, have a female UHF connector that you screw your cable onto. And the other side is a spring-loaded kind of connector that plugs over the UHF connector on the panel. So it basically makes the arrangement a pull-off type of thing. So you just walk up there and give a yank and they're off. You, and you can take four <laughs> cables off with two hands with no problem with one one operation. That works well. For the uh, window line that comes in, I use double three-quarter inch uh, banana plug connectors, which are just a nice size for the window line. And you can pull them off just as easily. There are um, a couple of people that make these. Just search the internet for push on UHF male to UHF female adapters, and you'll come up with a selection of them. Unfortunately, some of them seem to be better than others in terms of fit. And <laughs> unfortunately, I don't remember which is which. So you may want to order from a couple of different vendors and see which one you like <laughs> and then get any more from that one. Now, that when you do that, the one risk of this is you have a bunch of cables on your floor that you pulled off and you go to put them back on. It's really important to get the right cable on the right jack. Yes. I have found through a number of experiments that trying to use the two-meter Yagi on 20 meters just is not satisfactory. No, no. <laughs> and particularly the other way around, the loss in the 20-meter Yagi on two meters is enough that the SWR doesn't look too terrible. <laughs> so you think you're okay, but nobody can hear you. So uh, I suggest marking each of the cables. If you're using um, RG213 size cables, it works to write right on the coax, and I use a silver marking pen. Shows up nicely against Oh, yeah, that would do it. Yeah. The uh, cable. It's a little harder to do with the thinner cables, but not impossible. And you can just put a number, a Roman numeral, and that if you put similar Roman numerals, numerals on the connectors on the panel, you'll probably get them in the right place. There's yeah. also uh, some manufacturers make a tie wrap type device that includes a little panel that you can write on. And that's very handy for marking cables. So uh, make sure you do that or you wipe out any uh, benefit of your <laughs> <laughs> arrangement if you uh, get the cables in the wrong place when you put them back on. Absolutely. Thank you, Joel. My pleasure. If you have a question for the doctor, email us at doctor at ARRL.org. The Doctor is In podcast is sponsored by DX Engineering at www.dxengineering.com. Background music provided by Purple Planet at www.purple-planet.com. This podcast is copyright ARRL. All rights are reserved. Until next time, I'm QST Managing Editor Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY, 73, and thanks for listening.